story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello you delightful people It is Mama G here with another episode of Storytime with Mama G and I think today's episode might just be the tiniest bit balmy. The reason for that is, is as you may remember last week, I'd pretty much run out of stories from my back catalogue. So I've had to take to writing new stories, but I've been a little bereft of inspiration. I've got a few stories that I'm working on, you know, they're at the back of my mind but I can't quite put them to paper. And then every so often I suddenly get an idea and I really like it. And then the story just pops out onto the paper ever so quickly. And that happened yesterday. But I feel like I should explain to you how it happened. But before I do, don't forget, my darlings, that you can find me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Just search for at Mama G Stories. Now, What is my story this week? My story this week is called Joy and Jill. And the inspiration came to me when I was watching an episode of an American sitcom called Hot in Cleveland. Now, I should tell you, my darlings, I do enjoy an American sitcom. I like the old-fashioned style of American sitcoms. They're about 20 minutes. They're filmed in front of an audience, so they're very theatrical They're usually quite in-jokey because in America, sitcoms are like families. There was one sitcom that started it all off and then there were a few spin-offs, the spin-off being when um, something comes from something else. And then those spin-offs got spin-offs. I mean, it's it's quite ridiculous. And quite often those spin-offs become very famous in their own right, such as uh, one of my favourite sitcoms, which is called The Golden Girls, actually came out of a sitcom called Maud, sort of. But then out of Golden Girls, I believe, came at least two sitcoms, one of which was called Empty Nest, which was very famous. And um, I think there was one called Hospital or Nurses or something. And, and characters would dri- dip in and out of the sitcom. It's, it's very crazy. And over lockdown, I've been watching a lot of American sitcoms. Now, here's something I will tell you honestly, is I actually don't think they're that good. At this point, modern sitcoms have changed slightly. Um, so if someone's doing an old fashioned sitcom, but it's being filmed a few years ago, it's probably not great. But I actually do quite enjoy Hot in Cleveland, principally because it's got Betty White in it, who is off of The Golden Girls, and Jane Leaves, who is off of Frasier. And then an actress called Wendy Malick, who is off of the Alvin and the Chipmunks sequel the second movie, when they go to high school. Anyway, um, and I was, I've got to season six, which is no mean feat because American sitcoms have about 24 episodes each season. And I was just, in fact, I was watching it last night and two of the characters had to try and write a children's book, but they didn't know what to write it about. And then the character played by Jane Leaves, who is a character called Joy, well, she turns up with her sister Jill and Jane and uh, Joy and Jill are chalk and cheese. And then, um, uh, what's she called? Melanie, who's played by Valerie Bertinelli, 
has the idea that Joy and Jill could be the characters in their book, except they will make them mice. And they will go on an adventure of sorts. And I thought, well, blooming neck, this story has never been written, but actually it sounds quite good. And it fits in with my ethos of being who you are and loving who you want. And I thought, do you know what, Mamma G? You should write this story. And I think it's quite a fun story. But as I was writing it, I did become vaguely aware that I may have been writing my first ever piece of fan fiction. Fan fiction being when fans of a series such as Harry Potter or Twilight or The Hunger Games or, you know, even Riverdale extend the stories further by creating different stories around the characters. And sometimes it can become a bit complicated, such as when J.K. Rowling gets involved and tells people what they can and can't write about her characters and then sort of takes some of the fan fiction and makes it her own. There's a whole genre of literature out there, to be honest, my darling. In fact, have you ever written any fan fiction? Have you? Well, let me know. Well, um, this is a little bit along those lines, except, of course, it's not strictly speaking fan fiction, but it is inspired by something. And I would like to say as a disclaimer that I know Hot in Cleveland is not perfect. It is, in fact, sometimes awkwardly unwoke. Or should you say awkwardly asleep? Um, but I think the fundamental story is very progressive because it's about four older women escaping Los Angeles where you have to be perfect. Now, that, of course, is similar to um, the Golden Girls. But obviously they can be a little bit ruder and even more progressive, such as Betty White, who went the point of filming was 92, has a very active love life. Uh, which you never see portrayed a 92-year-old as having a very active love life. So well done, Betty White. But anyway, I am hugely procrastinating and delaying the inevitable. I think it's time for the story. Joy and Jill were sisters, and Joy and Jill were mice. I had thought to call them misters, but this story's not really about that. As little mice, Joy and Jill were as close as sisters tend to be, which is to say they squabbled with each other, they were jealous of each other, and they always blamed the other one. But they did it all out of love. It's fair to say that Joy didn't make Jill's life very easy. Joy was the older sister, although she really doesn't like it if you say that, and she really didn't understand that everyone thought Jill was the cute one. Joy would look around the nest and squeak to herself, Jill's got such a long tail, she's sure to trip over it. Jill's got such short whiskers, she'll never be able to sense danger. So why does everyone look at Jill like she's so adorable? Those aren't very nice thoughts, are they? And maybe Joy wasn't very nice. When Jill would trip over her tail, which was often, Joy would laugh so loudly that all the other mice turned around. And when she had everyone's attention, she'd say, Poor, poor Jill. 
And sometimes, Joy would hide and jump out just as Jill was passing. Jill was never prepared for things like this, and she'd get so scared she'd do a little whoopsie right there on the floor. And Joy would say, Poor, poor Jill. Growing up, Jill got used to the other mice laughing at her, and she became what the others thought she was. Clumsy, stupid and shy. You could say, she was quiet as a mouse. Joy, on the other hand, blossomed. Everything about her was perfect, and she was the most popular mouse in the nest. In fact, Joy was on top of the world. She felt she could do anything. And one day, after watching an American tale, ask your grown-ups, Joy moved to America. America welcomed Joy with open arms. She was sleek. She was confident. She was perfect. Joy found a lovely mouse hole in a big city and quickly became fast friends with three other mice. Wendy, a famous actor mouse, Valerie, a lovely friendly mouse, and Betty, a wise old mouse. They lived together for many years. They had a lovely time. They had lots of wonderful adventures that quite often stretched credibility. And Joy near enough forgot about Jill. Until Jill turned up at the same mouse hole. The other three couldn't believe that Joy and Jill were sisters. And that's quite the way Joy wanted it. Jill's fur was matted. Her tail was flat from all the times she'd stepped on it. And she kept her squeak so quiet so that she didn't trouble anyone. Jill had come to America to see if she could be as successful as Joy. But she really wasn't fitting in. Joy, Wendy and Valerie all said, Poor, poor Jill. But Betty saw something in Jill. She saw a sparkle. And she thought that Jill might appreciate meeting lots of famous mice at Wendy's next big party. Betty took Jill to the mouse beauty salon and there was quite the transformation. They washed her hair and polished her nails and combed her whiskers. They even fluffed up her tail. When Betty and Jill got back to the mouse hole, Jill was like a different mouse. Sometimes, all it takes is for one person to understand you, and they can change your life. Wendy and Valerie were delighted. They had another Joy in the mouse hole, and they loved Joy so much, two would be even better. Joy was less pleased. She was so shocked she did a... What? A whoopsie on the floor. She was so desperate to get away that she slipped in it and slid right into the wall. She had a huge bump on her head for days. Wendy decided that they should host a Welcome to America party for Jill. And where better to have it than in their very own mouse hole? Jill was so excited that she asked Wendy if she could sing. Jill had always loved singing but thought everyone would laugh at her, just like they always did. Joy said Jill should have a practice and regretted it immediately. Jill's voice was beautiful. Joy was so jealous that she pulled the plug on the music, but she wasn't paying attention and electrocuted herself. 
The shock was so much that she frazzled her whiskers. Now she had a bump on her head and no whiskers. Jill helped Valerie put out all the cheese and crackers. They were laughing and gossiping and having a lovely time. And then Joy saw them hug like sisters. Joy got so cross that she bit down into a cracker really hard. Only it was a plate, not a cracker. But it was too late. One of her front teeth fell out. Now she had a bump on her head and no whiskers and a missing tooth. When the guests started arriving, Joy looked a right state. But Jill looked amazing. Everyone wanted to talk to her. And when they weren't talking to her, they were asking Wendy and Valerie and Betty what was wrong with Joy. Very soon, laughter started to fill the mouse hole as word got around about Joy's ridiculous mishaps. The laughter got louder and louder and Joy got quieter and quieter. Jill didn't like this. She tried to ignore it, but she couldn't. Eventually she said, Stop it! Or she'll become what you're laughing at. Ask her what's wrong. Ask her if she needs help. But don't laugh at her, because you like feeling better than someone. The mouse hole fell silent. Everyone looked at Jill. Everyone looked at Joy. Joy slowly limped. She'd also sustained a leg injury when she slipped in the little whoopsie. Over to Jill and said, I love you. I love you too, said Jill. And I'm sorry, said Joy. You should be, said Jill. And they hugged. A really long hug just like sisters. you enjoyed that new story is not even 24 hours old at the point of recording uh, that was called joy and jill and just to reiterate it was inspired by hot in cleveland now what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to find you the episode that it was specifically inspired by if you want to go and have a look at it yourself uh, uh, let me work out. No, it's not that one. I, tell you, I know what I think. I think it's this one. Well, this is fascinating. Oh, no, I know what one is. It's at season six, episode 10. It's called We Could Be Royals. And the reason it's called that is because in that episode, Joy and Jill... When they're not mice, when they're the real characters, there is a nobleman from England visiting and they vie for his attentions. It's actually a very, very funny episode. Uh, and the description on IMDb is Joy's younger sister Jill comes to visit. Melanie helps Victoria write a children's book. 
Elka and Mamie Sue welcome British royalty to Cleveland. Now, Mamie Sue is one of Elka's friends, and she's played by an actress called Georgia Engel. And Georgia Engel and Betty White were both in the Mary Tyler Moore show. And But Georgia Engel is considerably younger than Betty White. Let's see if it's got any um, any trivia. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love a bit of trivia. Oh, it's got one piece of trivia. Here we go. At the end of the episode, Jill, who is played by Sophie Winkleman, makes note of the fact that the Earl of Cleveland is 47th in line to the throne. Winkleman's eldest daughter, Maud Windsor, through her marriage to Lord Frederick Windsor, is actually 47th in line to the British throne as a great-granddaughter of King George V through his fourth son, Prince George, Duke of Kent. Maud Windsor's grandparents are Prince and Princess Michael of Kent, with Prince Michael being the second son of Prince George. So, hold up. Hold up. So, Sophie Winkleman, who is the character that plays Jill on the TV programme, is, is this what I'm getting with this? She's actually married to a member of British royalty. Let's see. Trivia. Is a soprano. Well, I don't need... Oh, half-sister of Claudia Winkleman. Oh, I like Claudia Winkleman. They don't look anything alike. Gave birth to her first child at... Th oh, yeah, married her long-term time boyfriend, Lord Frederick Windsor, following a seventh-month-long engagement. That means that Claudia Winkleman knows members of the royal family as well. How exciting. I've got no idea who Sophie Winkleman is, though, but I want to find out now. Oh, well, I, well, for clothes, she likes Anna on Regent's Park Road. Anna Park, who owns it, has an amazing eye for fresh, exciting clothes. Oh, blimey. Well, you know you're dealing with the upper echelons there. Oh, let's see. Well, she's played the older Sea Susan in the Chronicles of Narnia. She was in Peep Show. She was in Titanic, but not the famous film. Oh, she was in Sanditon. Four weddings of a funeral. All right, she's got quite a legitimate career. I think she must have had a time in America because she was also in Two and a Half Men oh, over quite an extended period of time. Maybe, maybe that's what she's famous for. Oh, I'm sure this is not very interesting for any of you. I'm so sorry. Anyway, is it time for the book of the week? I surely think it is. <laughs> Now, this week's Book of the Week is a new publication. It was sent to me by Bloomsbury Books uh, very kindly because it's a marvellous book. And I think it was sent to me because the author is, is a little fan of mine. And, and I'm actually saying that using her book as a fan because my duvet den that I used to record this is uh, baking at the moment. But also, I am a fan of this author. Uh, this lovely person is called Michelle Robinson and the book is illustrated by Deborah Allwright. It is published by Bloomsbury and I suppose you want me to tell you the name, do you? Well, Allwright, you've twisted me arm. The book is called She Wrecks. It is a wonderful book. I love the book so much. It's a picture book. 
uh, and it's about a little girl called Maisie and her brother Ed. And Ed wants to play with Maisie. No, the other way around. Maisie wants to play with Ed's toys. But Ed says that dinosaurs are for boys and not for girls. So Maisie uses her imagination and creates She-Rex. And She-Rex proves that dinosaurs are very much for girls as well as boys. And Ed, of course, learns his lesson. Um, it's a very funny book. Deborah Allwright's illustrations are very artistic. There's a style. I wonder what sort of style it is. It looks a little bit um, collagey, printy maybe. It's beautiful. It's got a retro quality to it as well, which I absolutely love. Um, but what I really like about the book is that it's fearless. Uh, Maisie is not scared to stand up to her brother and also to stand up for what she enjoys and what she loves. And I think that's wonderful. And it's just funny and beautiful. And then at the end, they want to play pirates. Um, and we can all imagine how that's going to go. And what I like about Ed as well is he has a little journey because towards the end of the book, he starts to understand that um, Maisie is right. And really... We shouldn't gender toys. I mean, it's so dull doing that, isn't it? It's quite a strange thing that we do in our society is that we decide that things are for girls and that things are for boys and that never the twain shall meet or even cross. Like, girls must like pink, boys must like blue. It just doesn't make any sense. If I wanted to also get a little bit, you know, more political, I would say that it doesn't make sense that we decide that someone is a boy or a girl um, before they've decided that themselves. But that's quite a long conversation and uh, not something that even adults necessarily understand. And it's still something I'm working out. But um, She-Rex is definitely a part of this conversation. It's a very vital part of this conversation and I think it's a wonderful part of the conversation and it will definitely create a conversation for adults and children to enjoy together. And you know that I love dinosaurs because I love my T-Rex from Twinkle Twinkle Little Roar and I think She-Rex fits the Mamaji dinosaur canon perfectly. So go and look it up. Um, you can find it everywhere, I imagine, although I have recently discovered a website called hive.co.uk that also supports your independent bookstore, so it might be worth looking there. That's She-Rex by Michelle Robinson, illustrated by Deborah Allwright and published by Bloomsbury Books. <laughs> Well, here we are, sadly at the end of another story time with Mamaji. I hope you have all enjoyed this episode. Don't forget that I do love to hear from you. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Just search for at Mamaji Stories. And I would love it if you would like to go to my Facebook and leave a review of this podcast in the reviews section. And I've got a little incentive for you, which is anyone 
who leaves a review. Well, it's first come, first serve, so it's not going to be anyone. But if you leave a review whilst I still have stock available, I will send you a copy of Susie Violet's new book, A Right Royal Roach Trip. Just make sure that you mention you're reviewing the podcast and please review it on my Facebook page and please give it five stars. Uh, uh, right Royal Road Trip, if you're not sure, was my book of the week last week. So um, you can listen to last week's episode to find out all about it. And don't forget, you can see me live now, which is amazing. I'm doing several shows for, um, what's it called? The Warren in Brighton, just next to Brighton Pier on the beach. I've had a fantastic couple of shows there already and I will be coming back down very, very soon. Uh, check their website, warrenfestival.co.uk, to see when I'm there. Uh, I'm also doing digital story times. I'm popping up all over the place uh, next week. I definitely have story times with Swindon Libraries, uh, Holton Libraries, and maybe somewhere else. The name of which... Oh! Come on, MG, you can do this. Where is it? It's Chester West. No, Chester... Chester West, Cheshire West and Chester Libraries. That's next week as well, I believe. Oh, and Luton Libraries too. Oh, blimey, I'm really all over the place, aren't I? And um, on September the 4th, now this is very exciting, September the 4th, which is a Friday at 7pm, I will be live in person and indoors as the Seagull Theatre in Hakefield is opening its doors to live entertainment again. And bless them, darlings. They obviously don't want anyone to come because they are starting with me. Um, you can get tickets from theseagull.co.uk. I'm going to be doing a wonderful family-friendly show. It's going to be socially distanced, of course. Uh, and I just can't wait to be in an actual theatre again. So if you would like to be there, tickets are only £5. It's an absolute bargain. The Seagull is a gorgeous theatre and absolutely deserves your support. So please do come along and join me. Um, but I will see you next week for more story time with Mama G. Au revoir. It's story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama Jean.